When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Yes, uh, hello everyone. Thanks to Hayes and Mardo for the run home. And uh, here we are. We're ready to rock and roll for the next hour here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. We'll speak to... Luke Jackson's manager, Jason Dover, a bit later in the program, get really behind how it all fell in place and find out a bit more about Luke Jackson and his family from Jason Dover. He's going to join us a little bit later on. And then we'll speak to Australian Diamond Nat Medhurst because the Constellation Cup gets underway tomorrow night and some interesting stories inside the Australian Diamonds. And, of course, Nat's been there, been a Diamond for many years and now retired, and of course, part of uh, the SENWA family. We'll speak to Nat Medhurst a bit later on as well. But former AFL recruiter, was a fair player in his days as Fitzroy, of course, a ruckman, and he's been an assistant coach with a couple of clubs in the AFL, now part of AFL Trade Radio as Matt Rendell. As we look back of what's been a pretty interesting last couple of days uh, when it comes to trades in the AFL. Matt, thanks for your time. Uh, no worries, Peter. Pleasure, matey. Uh, yeah, or, or has it been a trade period? Uh, probably the biggest one we've seen. I was uh, just going to say... three, all yeah. got traded. The yeah. number one pick got traded. Yeah. Uh, after a year, uh, three top five players been traded before their fifth year. Oh, it's crazy stuff. Now, you've been involved in AFL Trade Radio for a number of years. Is this the most frenetic and bizarre one that you've been involved in? No, I think so. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, a, well, I think forever it's been the craziest one. Um, uh, also, the fact that, and just to spice it up a little bit more, uh, <clears throat> Jack Bowes goes to Geelong and they give him pick seven because of it. He's a, he was a pick 10. Then they give him pick seven. They give him back a, a third, future third pick for that and take his 1.7 million owed. Uh, on his contract, so uh, I'd love to know what that contract looks like over. A, you know, obviously it's going to be over. I would say five years. Mm. So you've got you've got that as well. Um, and there's some deals that just fell by the wayside, like Fiorini uh, from Gold Coast Suns. He's got six hundred on his last year as well. And Collingwood were trying to get in there and give him a longer deal, but they've got so much going on. Collingwood, I don't think they're. Uh, I think that's dropped off, but. Um, yeah, it's crazy stuff. Yeah, crazy it is. And there's still, of course, a day to go tomorrow, and we'll come to that in a moment. But the big one today, and he didn't want to leave, but now he's a Melbourne demon. Of course, Collingwood's Brody yeah. Grundy, who put out a nice little note to all the Collingwood fans yeah, just to say he enjoyed himself and it wasn't his own doing in the sense of where he's ended up now. No, I, uh, yeah, I've read that. He was um, he was great, um, interesting. He thanked his teammates and thanked the fans, but that was about it. <laughs> Thank mm. the club. Or any of the staff, I can't, I can't remember seeing that in there anywhere. I don't think it was in there, so I uh, can be very frustrated, man. You know, fancy, fancy Grundy going for pick 27. It's, um, 
that um, that previous regime doing their salary cap and doing their contracts has just turned out to be one of the biggest disasters we've ever seen around salary cap. Yeah. Um, all those players have gone out. Well, Ace had to go to Freo. He was the first domino uh, to go when he came out of contract and the other three the next year. <clears throat> now we've got Grundy. Mm. Um, it's, not really a, it's not really a salary cap dump here, though, Peter. Um, this is a philosophical uh, view from, from Graham Wright, <coughs> the general manager there, that uh, in his, when he's 31 to 33, Grundy will be on roughly 900000 to a million. And I think uh, Wrighty, Wrighty came out today and said, look, I don't want someone at that age on that sort of money or something similar to that when we're trying to um, uh, recontract blokes you know, 22, 23, through to 27, uh, when the, all the money's been taken up by someone. Now, when they get past 30, Peter, they're usually on the downslide on their money. They've made their money and usually getting cut back Yeah. Uh, once they hit 30. So uh, I could understand why Collingwood did it and why Wrighty was, was keen for it to happen. Um, but it was just too long a contract into his 30s, essentially. Yeah, I tell you what's interesting. Eight days after Tim Taranto joined the Tigers, his GWS teammate Jacob Hopper is now joining him at Punt Road, and they've both accepted seven-year deals. Amazing. Mm, yeah, mate, it is. Uh, it'll take them to, oh, I think, uh, 31 and 32, maybe, Peter, at, at that age. Look, um, how are they going to fit this in? They're going to be back-ended. Uh, once again, uh, they could be on big dough early in their 30s, but it'll be only a year or two to go, I would have mm. thought. Uh, but they're going to lose a, they're going to lose some money out of their cap over the next two or three years. They're going to have some retirements, obviously, Jack Rewald and Cochin. They wouldn't be on big money, but Dusty's going to come off big money. I think he's got two more to go at, you know, over a million. He'll come off that big money so they can uh, fit these blokes in. They'll, they'll, pay, they'll back in their last mm. four or five years. You mentioned Jack Bowes to Geelong. Of course, Billy Frampton's gone to Collingwood. And Jack Gunston, the veteran, has ended up at Brisbane, a bit of a lifeline for his career. Yeah, well, look, he had a really good uh, back half the year when he came in after his back injury last year, back operation he had, so just all of the year. So uh, he's going to be a great boost for them. You know, they stay out, Gunston in. I'm I'm saying that's a a big tick. That's a double Mm. tick at least. Yeah. Uh, He's a better player than McStay. And... I think the benefit he'll give uh, Brisbane as well, Peter, is that the education he'll give uh, Hipwood and uh, and Danaher in the forward line because uh, he's got huge footy nows. I think that'll be the bonus that they get there and they've given up pick 48, I think, in a future fourth. So uh, I don't know how long the contract is. I assume it's a couple of years, but um, uh, that puts them right in the wheelhouse to win a flag in the next few years, next couple of years at least. Let's look at tomorrow and what likely could happen on the final day of trading. We're certainly interested on Rory Lobb, but will he get yeah. to the Western Bulldogs? What did you pick up today? Uh, well, not a lot, but I think they're going to have to settle on their future first, Brisbane's, and 21 for Dunkley. And that 21's got to be part of the Lobb deal. Now, I think probably they don't want to give up 21, but... If they're still super keen on getting lobbed, the 21 will go out. They might get something back off Freo. I don't actually know what they've got in their hands at the moment. Um, so I think the 21 will go out to get lobbed done, um, and everyone will be happy. But that's it is going down to the wire, that deal. But 
Uh, those Lobb and uh, Dunkley be sitting there pulling their hair out at the moment. Yes, of course, they've both tried to get away for the last couple of years and they still haven't gone yes. to a destination. No. What about Ollie Henry? Is he likely to move from Collingwood mm. to Jogs? I think uh, the Magpies are digging their heels in a bit, aren't they? They want something uh, in the first round and Geelong don't want to... Well, of course, they're not going to give up their seven. Uh, they lost their 18 for Bruin. Uh, they're not giving up their... They don't want to give up their... They can give it up, their first round next year, their their future, but they don't want to give that up either. And they're saying 25. Pi's saying we want more. And now a report's just come out when I was on the way home that he's saying I'm going to go to the draft. Well, I can tell him now, if he thinks he's getting to Geelong in the draft, that that isn't happening because they're not going to use pick seven on Ollie Henry, Geelong. Mm, mm. If they're going to use it on Ollie Henry, they, they use it now... It's a, it's a, it's. I think it's a bluff move uh, to try and get Geelong to, uh, sorry, Collingwood to accept the 25. I think it is uh, because he won't get to his destination of choice, Geelong, if he goes into the draft or the preseason draft either. Mm. Matt Rendell, who are the big winners that is out of the draft uh, so far? Which clubs? Port Adelaide be one. Port Adelaide definitely. Richmond definitely. Um, I think Brisbane, when they get the Dunkley deal done, they'll be another one. Um, they're going to get their two uh, uh, father-sons in with their points if they get that Dunkley deal done, and obviously Gunston as well. So I think uh, they've got better. Richmond, way better. Um, Port, way better. Fixed up a couple of holes, especially the Radagalea ones sitting there too. They're trying to get Radagalea to play as a key back. They want him to long... They've offered 33. Geelong are saying more. He's got a year to go of his contract, so he, they can keep him if they like. So that's a that's an important one. If they get Radagalea, they've really killed it, Port yeah. Adelaide, get, to get the number one pick back and get Junior Rioli. Junior Rioli fills a hole uh, for Motlop and, and Gray retiring. So uh, they've killed it. That, that'd be the ones off the top of my head. Well, look, you know what? Melbourne are stronger. Nothing against Jackson, but Grundy's a better player than Jackson right here, right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, Melbourne is going to be stronger as well. So uh, there's talk that Wiedemann is trying to get to... Um, I've, I've got that off the top of my head. Uh, to another club as well. So uh, they might lose him. He's still got a year to go on his contract. There's a lot of contract to oh, play. Amazing. Try to get out. Oh, well, it's going to be an interesting day tomorrow. It's been a heck of a, a trade period. Of course, oh, it all yeah. comes oh, tomorrow, you. Matt. And you've been right across it there on AFL Trade Radio. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Sleep tight tonight. No worries. Thanks, Peter. Much, my pleasure. Good on you. Matt Rendell from AFL Trade Radio. We'll talk after the break to Jason Dover. He's the manager of Luke Jackson. And I'm going to ask him a couple of questions that he hasn't already been asked. If you've seen some Quotes of Jason Dover. We're going to have a chat to him next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. It was about that fire break in the middle of the season. I um, got home and... Um, was able to meet up with J.O. and Belly and um, yeah, obviously met them and I was um, yeah, really comfortable around them. So I reckon around that period is when I felt could lean towards Freo. 
That was Luke Jackson at the uh, press conference. Uh, first time he wore a uh, Fremantle Dockers uh, polo shirt yesterday, and he looked pretty comfortable in it as well. A man that's been pivotal in getting Jackson to uh, Fremantle has been Luke Do- uh, Jason Dover. We can say Luke Dover. Jason Dover, the manager of Luke Jackson. Jason, thanks for your time. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> yeah, almost uh, put you together, but you have been almost together, haven't you, for this period of time? Manager, player, no doubt there's been a lot of communication and a lot of toing and froing as well. Uh, yeah, you do get to know your player well um, <clears throat> going through, you know, what we've been through this year, Luke and myself. So, um, yeah, we've spent a lot of time talking, a lot of time uh, together, a lot of time planning. So, um, yeah, not not quite Luke Dover yet, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but close. But saying that... Uh, Speaking about Luke, family's very important to him, isn't it? Now, he, he stated that was one of the reasons uh, he wanted to come back. And even yesterday at the press conference, he had his family there. I know his brother spoke. They seem pretty connected, the family. Yeah, extremely close family. And I think um, probably, yeah, I think when you get drafted into state and, and go through the first couple of years that he went through with all the COVID restrictions and borders closed, probably makes family even more important to you when you're away from them and separated. So, yeah, big big factor in Luke's decision in, in coming home. And I, I reckon if the Melbourne Football Club was based in Perth, he wouldn't have ever really contemplated mm. leaving. He mentioned just in the uh, little bit of audio played there that he started thinking about it maybe mid-year is that when he came to you to see if there was a possibility of coming home? Oh, no. Nah, look, to be honest, it was probably something we first discussed over um, the sort of summer break around Christmas, New Year, um, just knowing that him coming out of contract at Melbourne um, in the year ahead was going to be a big thing. Melbourne had already come to us and wanted to do a presentation and start contract negotiations. So... It probably started that, that early in the piece um, at, at the start of the year, come sort of January before he went back to Melbourne. And then we agreed to um, talk to Melbourne, get a presentation and, and catch up round one over in Melbourne. And was at that stage we thought put on hold and probably then start to explore what other options might look like. Mm, it's interesting, actually, because you do manage some very high profile people, Nat Fife being another, but... When you sit back and there's all this media conjecture about this player and what's happening and what was the latest and he's bought a house in Shelley and then he's all of a sudden bought a house in Coogee, do you sit back and have a bit of a chuckle? I do, Pete, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny when you know what the truth is. And, um, yeah, it's, I, think, I think we're in an industry now too where there's so many media, there's so much media uh, around AFL football and there's so many different personalities involved in the media and I think everyone likes to think they know what's going on and everyone's looking for a headline or clickbait on social media or online. Um, so, yeah, there's a bit of a stretch in terms of the truth half the time and everyone seems to have a good source, but it's amazing how few people talk talk to myself or people that are actually close to it. So, um yeah, plenty of laughs along the way. Yeah, we saw Jason Horn Francis go back to Port Adelaide, maybe for the same reason that uh, maybe Luke wanted to head back to Perth. Now, you've dealt with a number of players. Is homesickness still a bit of an issue? Um, homesickness is a funny word because um, I've, I've always had the theory that if you get drafted into state and you're 18 years old, at some stage you're going to be homesick, like everyone's homesick or you never came from a good home. Um, but it's yeah, it's, it's just that draw home, and you see 
some boys go, especially if they land in Melbourne and really settle in well and uh, and love the city and get a connection away from the footy club in terms of girlfriends or mates or join a golf club and that sort of thing. And I, I reckon like the time the last three years while Luke was away with COVID restrictions and under protocols and you're not able to move around. Like he spent his first 12 months up up in a um, hub in a hotel on the Gold Coast. So that connection to Melbourne probably never really happened as a city. Um, and I think when you take those things into account, the draw homes even stronger for for a lot of the younger boys that have experienced that over their first two or three years in the in the system. You're saying he's young because he only turned what 21 about a couple of weeks ago. So he's still very young. Saying that, uh, you've dealt with a lot of footballers in time. How much maturity do you think there's still to come with Luke Jackson? Oh, I think a heap. I think a player of his type and style and, um, you know, you don't see many ruckmen at 20 years of age like he's played this year, even playing, let alone um, having influences on games. And as a 19-year-old, he turned turned a grand final in the third quarter in front of our eyes at Optus Stadium. And that's what makes him unique. And I think a lot of people are quick to judge him, but um, I think there's a huge upside still left. And, and just in terms of his own mentality and approach to the game, if, if anyone listened to the press conference um, yesterday that he first did at Fremantle, he's just desperate to get to work. And he must have said, I can't wait to get started, can't wait to get to work. And I think that's the character of, of Luke and what he'll bring to Fremantle, but also fit in with Fremantle. They've got such a great young group and, and, a, and a really mature um, aspect in terms of how they go about their business and being professional. And I think he's going to fit that really well and um, and hopefully, you know, also bring the experience that he's got playing again with a whole bunch of really talented, experienced people at Melbourne as well. So you got nothing but compliments for the Fremantle people that you dealt with uh, and the negotiators, Peter Bell and, and the others that you had to work with. Uh, you thought they did it and conducted themselves very professionally and, Deep down inside, I know they felt confident of getting uh, Luke Jackson. It was always going to go that way, Jason, but as a manager, I suppose you're open to other offers as well, aren't you? Yeah, I think it's our job as his management to explore what um, the... do our due diligence and explore what his options are. Um, I must admit from the whole way um, and and the outset with Fremantle, they've been so professional and I think it's a real credit to guys like Simon Garlick and Peter Bell, but in particular David Walls, who's heading up their list management area at the moment, just the way they're going about it in that off-field space. And uh, I think they've got a very clear plan in terms of the list they're trying to assemble. Um, They've been very targeted in terms of players they've gone after and who they think will fit their long-term goal of, of trying to win a flag for Fremantle. And so, yeah, my dealings with them were terrific. I think you can get into that trade period where clubs want to muck around. Clubs don't necessarily put their best foot forward from day one. Um, that wasn't the case with Fremantle. They came straight out last Monday and gave their first two picks from, from this year and next year onto the table and the negotiation then started mm. with Melbourne, which is a really good position to be able to start with and they and they didn't muck around. Mm. Did the West Coast Eagles uh, throw an option uh, if uh, things didn't fall in place with Fremantle, that that was go- maybe an option as well? Uh, it definitely was, yeah. We, we had a great meeting mid-year with West Coast. They were really impressive. The, uh, uh, the, the presentation they did and their pitch to Luke was, was really strong to, to, come, to come to West Coast and, and play next to Nick Nadanui, hopefully for a few years, and then 
potentially take over the number one ruck, ruck mantle. So that was um, certainly something that was considered. Um, I think from there they, they also made an offer and I think financially the offer was really similar to what um, we've ended up accepting at Fremantle and the term wasn't wasn't much different either. Um, but it probably came down to Luke's preference and focus to try to get to Fremantle and um, that's what we then turned towards as his management group and together with Fremantle and Melbourne, um, yeah, we were able to get it done. We we still continued to talk to West Coast through the trade period and, and keep them across it, but they knew they were second in line and they knew the most likely um, outcome was that he was mm. going to end up at Fremantle. You make a good point there as a manager, is that sometimes you think that the managers make the deal on behalf of the players and they all they want to do is get a nice contract. They don't really in some ways care which club they go to as long as they get a really hefty contract. In this case, you left the final choice to Luke on where he wanted to go. You mentioned things were pretty similar, uh, but it was Fremantle where he always wanted to end it up. Yeah, I think, I mean, with the draft process and everything else and the way the AFL set up now, players don't get a lot of choice. Um, and I think when they do, it's probably our job as managers to educate them and say what their options are. And look, there'll be some players that just want to know who's going to put the biggest dollar signs in front of you, and that's fine. Probably few of those players we we seem to manage. They, you know, a lot of our players like to know what their options are, what their role is going to be, who the coaches are, what the long term um, list management philosophy of the club is. You know, are they rebuilding? Are they in a window potentially to challenge for a flag? So, I, I like to yeah get all the information together, educate our players, sit down, sometimes make a decision with with them. Um, it was something Luke said to me that he was happy to process all the information, say what he wanted to do before he before he made his um, decision. He wanted um, myself to tick it off with him, which was part of the process we worked through. And yeah, I think he I think he did a really good job, given how young he is and having to deal with the pressure and the expectation of of everyone in the AFL this year and what his decision was going to be. He was terrific with the way he worked through it. Now, everyone's speculating what the actual deal was and the amount of money that the young 21-year-old, just turned 21-year-old, will get from next year. Uh, As I leave you, it wasn't all about money. If all of a sudden Fremantle's offer was a fraction short of, uh, you know, what was initially pitched, do you think he still would have gone to Fremantle? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's not It's not the dollars that have um, got him to Fremantle. Um, the, I mean, the offer was a great one from them. The offer one was a great one from Melbourne to stay um, for a guy who at the time was 20 years old. Um, and, and the same with the offer from West Coast was an extremely good offer. And I'm sure um, the type of offer that they haven't probably made too readily to players recently. So... Um, yeah, the, do- the dollars are good, but they're not they're not anywhere near what's been speculated and some of the crazy stuff that's been out there um, in the media. Mm. Um, no, he's he's a 21 year old going to restart his career and hopefully he's focused on success and um, and ideally um, trying to win a flag for Fremantle, which he experienced um, you know in Perth last year for Melbourne, which was highlight of his career so far. But I know he's um, he's always thought if he could come home, be around family, friends, play in front of them every second week and um, create history at Fremantle. That would be huge as part of what he would like to achieve out of his career. You're a good operator, Jace. Uh, you really are. You've, you've got some very high-profile people in your barn and uh, you do some good work. And uh, we've just seen exactly with Luke Jackson how it all sort of panned out. Uh, no fuss. Uh, sit down a business, work through it, and in the end, it gets done. So congratulations on getting the deal. I know the Fremantle Footy Club and their supporters 
are just uh, so excited about next season. So I appreciate your time, mate, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Good on you, Pete. I appreciate the kind words, mate. Good on you. Jason Dover, the manager of uh, Luke Jackson. Just uh, a couple of questions. So he's getting the big money, but had Fremantle even been maybe a fraction behind Melbourne and even West Coast, uh, Jason Dover believes he still would have ended up at Fremantle. It wasn't all about the money, according to his manager, who, as I said, does an outstanding job. You can join us on the Temper of Bedshed text line. 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Silma, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Yeah, it's great to have your company. Uh, you're with Peter Vlahos. And, of course, uh, earlier Matt Rendell, you can hear him on Trade Radio tomorrow. It's the final day of the AFL trade period. Just some sport headlines here. For tyre power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at tyre power. Uh, the Australian and West Australian all-rounder Mitch Marsh has ruled himself out of the one-day captaincy position as the search continues for a replacement for Aaron Finch after his retirement. Finch will consider his T20 future after the upcoming World Cup. But should Cricket Australia decide they want one captain across both codes, they may have to hand over the role. Marsh was considered a leading candidate for the role. However, the big hitter said he would rather focus on his own fitness and role in the team. So uh, Mitch Marsh just wants to make sure that uh, he is in that Australian team going forward. So there you go, an update uh, in relation to the cricket. And uh, the other game, I think game two is about to get underway at Monica Roval in Canberra. We'll bring you up to date with that in just a moment. Of course, all the updates, thanks to Tyre Power. And as I mentioned, with Tyre Power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. Of course, it's tomorrow. I've lost my days in the week. It's a Wednesday game at Monica Rail. All right, let's talk a bit of netball now. And my co-host on the Ladbrokes Lounge on Saturday mornings between 9 and 11 is former Australian Diamond, uh, one of the stars of uh, the Australian Diamonds in her time. And, of course, uh, it's always been the great battles against New Zealand and that they're about to get underway as well. Tomorrow night, the Diamonds and the Silver Ferns will come together down there in the land of the long white cloud. And Nat Methurst joins us on the program. Hey, Nat. Good afternoon, Peter. How are you? I'm going very well, thank you. Minus the sick child, I'm doing good. Ah, good on you. Good on you. Tell us about the history uh, between the Diamonds and the Silver Ferns. It goes back many years. And at one stage, it was either the Diamonds or the Silver Ferns to be the number one on the planet? Yeah, it's long-standing, as you said, and um, it's always been a really strong rivalry between those two countries. I remember the first time I ever played against the Silver Ferns and I'd watched their games um, between Australia and New Zealand on the TV before and always thought they were phenomenal. But the first test match I ever played, I was like, okay, I get it. I understand this rivalry and... You don't think things can actually go to another level on the international scale, on the international scene, but somehow it just does. And every time in majors, and I've been very fortunate to be a part of some really good ones, one really horrible one in 2010 at the Commonwealth Games, mm. but 
so many battles come down to one or two goals. It's just phenomenal how much that keeps happening. And there's always so much pride between both countries um, to win matches, to win series. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting that these two teams are going to be taking um, off against each other again. Yeah, and saying that, I know there's some other nations now closing in on Australia and New Zealand, but why the dominance of these two near neighbours when it comes to netball, do you think, over years? Yeah, I don't really know. And particularly for New Zealand, it's such a small country, but netball for them is actually one of their premier sports, probably alongside rugby. It's huge. Their crowd are absolutely fanatical um, about their netball date. So it's just such a strong sport. It's, you know, all the way through, um, you know, from primary school, as soon as they're old enough to basically run around, netball's one of the, the main sports that they really get thrown into. And, and netball in Australia, as we know, it's just so incredibly popular amongst young girls. And um, I think it shows the talent. There's obviously a lot of, um, because they have been successful in the past, there's so much funding as well, which obviously helps, um, I guess, with those pathways and those development of players coming through. And there's just an enormous riches of talent um, on both countries. But as you said, there are now other countries that are really starting to um, bite at the heels. And we've seen in the last few years, teams like England, Jamaica at the Commonwealth Games um, really start putting their hands up to um, to challenge those um, two countries. And all of a sudden, we've got a great uh, series coming up, haven't we, against, you mentioned, New Zealand and England. This is all of a sudden, uh, netball will come to the forefront of sport over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's exciting. It's a four-test series, which I absolutely hate. I don't understand why it's four. Mm. So it should either be three or five. Um, but So there'll be two test matches in New Zealand. The first one kicks off tomorrow night. Um, and then there'll be two test matches here. And um, Australia are so dominant in this series, the Constellation Cup series, it's called. Um, so it, it's, it's quite an interesting one because... At the Commonwealth Games, Australia and New Zealand never actually played off against each other, which is, I think is the first time that that has actually ever happened in a major tournament. So they haven't seen each other for about 12 months. So um, both teams, as a lot of people may know, Greta Buetta is out for the Australian Diamonds. Um, Silver Ferns are also welcoming some players in, some big-name players. And this series is a huge platform to start building for the World Cup, which is um, in July next year. So it's going to be a very exciting series. Now, we hope to be speaking to Gretel Buetta, actually on the Ladbrokes Lounge that you and I co-host on Saturday morning between 9 and 11. You made a very interesting point last week. You rate her as the best player in the world. Yeah, definitely at the at the moment. I'm not saying overall. For me, I'd be. Uh, I'd definitely say. What right now? Overall, right but, now. But right now, Gretel Buetta was is probably arguably the best player in the world. Um, well, that's a major blow to the diamonds, then, isn't it? It's huge, and I think it shocked everyone um, with this news. They've you know won Commonwealth Games gold. Everything was looking quite good. They've had a new coach come in. Um, I guess a lot of exciting talent and combinations and things that have been thrown out there on court. And as I said, Gretel Buetta, she absolutely dominates out there on court. She dominated through the Commonwealth Games. What she does out there is truly phenomenal. And she leaves defenders mm. constantly scratching their head about how to stop her. It's a massive challenge for them. And so when she came out 
uh, just about a week or so ago, break, an ab- dropping an absolute bombshell um, that she would be, or that she's pregnant, which is obviously incredibly exciting. But then you quickly, your mind does quickly uh, click over to netball gear and just go, what does this mean for the Australian Diamonds? Because they're um, massive shoes to fill. Mm. Looking at the Commonwealth Games gold medalist being the Diamonds, I see eight members of that uh, squad have been named in the team that will take to court against New Zealand, including captain Liz Watson. So there's a lot of stability with the uh, Diamond squad at the moment. Yeah, it is. They've um, they've mixed up their squads for the uh, New Zealand leg as well as the Australian leg. Um, the Silver Ferns have also done the exact same thing. Um, and I believe they're actually travelling with about 14 players. So they have given themselves a bit of uh, wriggle room, particularly now with Buetta out. It's worked really well for them. But um, we're definitely going to see some young talent. There was a lot of high-quality players, Australian players, that missed out on the Commonwealth Games Um they travelled initially with 15, so they had their 12 plus three training partners that went over um, to the UK to help prepare. Um, and there were some incredible players, as I said, that missed out even on um, those three training partner gigs. Mm. So it's going to be exciting. We're going to see new talent blooded, new combinations, the development of some. I think the stability is really around our defensive end. Um, so that will be key in really making sure that they set a really good foundation for the attack end, which, as I said, is where there's probably got to be a bit more rotation and experimenting taking place um, to really, I guess, support them in being able to settle nicely. Captain is Liz Watson, who reportedly had an outstanding series the last time the Diamonds met the Silver Ferns. What's she like as a leader? She's very calm. Um, she's quite. She's probably quite different to a lot of the other leaders that have been um, there in the past for the Australian Diamonds, but she certainly leads by example. Um, as you said, she dominated the last time they met the Silver Ferns, which had was actually off the back of, I think, 12 months away from netball um, on the back of a foot injury. So the way in which she then stepped straight back into that series, it was actually quite contentious because she was named the Australian Diamonds captain, um, replacing then captain Caitlin Bassett um, without actually having played for 12 months. So there was a lot of things around that, but how she's obviously led this team, a new coach as well coming in, Stacey Marinkovic. Um, and I think what she's really trying to instill from a culture perspective um, is really being driven incredibly well by Liz. And as I said, she just leads by example. She's a player who doesn't turn over many balls, um, has enormous standards and expectations and certainly a player that, you know, the people then just, um, or her teammates follow after. So how do you think it'll go tomorrow night? It's going to be, uh, I actually don't know. It's going to be interesting because the Silver fans, as I said, we haven't really seen them for 12 months because we didn't play them at the Commonwealth Games and they've had quite a bit of turnover uh, since they did last play as well. And all I know is, an Australian team, playing in New Zealand against the Silver Ferns is very, very different to playing them on your own home soil. Um, it's just a completely different vibe. It's very intimidating, the crowd. They really get around it. So um, I think it's going to be very hotly contested. I think if the Silver Ferns can get a jump early, um, and as I've spoken about it before, the Diamonds really struggle when they are challenged. Um, that's their Achilles heel at the moment. So the Silver Ferns will be aware of that. And if they can apply that pressure early, uh, I think they can start off the, the series with a win. Good on you, Nat. Thanks for joining us. Give us a preview to the series that's coming up. And uh, we'll chat more about it on Saturday morning.
Sounds good, Pete. Good on you. Nat Medhurst joining us, uh, my co-host on the Ladbrokes Lounge. Heard every Saturday morning right here on SENWA between 9 and 11. She's a real gun. She was a gun at netball, and she's very good on radio as well. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment. This is uh, Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Doing all right. Yeah, it's great to have your company. Uh, we'll recap all the uh, trade information with Jimmy Williams in just a moment. We had Matt Rendell from AFL Trade Radio just to kick off the show. Just on the SMS, uh, 0487 736 736. Hi, Pete. Do we know the length uh, of contract for Luke Jackson at Fremantle or hasn't it been released yet? No, there hasn't been officially released, but I think it'd probably be five, six years leap without us, us actually knowing the exact details. And even if I'd asked Jason Dover, he would have just said, no, Pete, that's... Uh, not for publication. Uh, it's certainly a matter to deal with the player. And, of course, now his employer being the Fremantle Football Club. Thanks, Lee. And there's a couple of others we'll get to in just a moment. But if you missed Matt Rendell at the top of the program, uh, going through what happened today and getting his opinion, here's Jimmy Williams to recap what happened in the second final day, the penultimate day of AFL trade time. Been a massive day in the uh, AFL trade landscape, Pete. Collingwood's Brody Grundy traded to Melbourne for pick 27. Collingwood, in the meantime, securing Billy Frampton from Adelaide for a future third-round pick. Jacob Hopper gets to Richmond alongside his GWS teammate, Tim Taranto. Two very And seven-year deals. Crazy. Unbelievable. And Matt Rendell saying that they'll be back-ended. So uh, between now and then, they have to clear some cap space, which they will. Jack Revolt among those that will probably give it away. Trent Cochin. Uh, a couple of guys there that will be on big money. That will Dustin Martin. Yeah. He said... He said Two, uh, two more years or three more years at a million for Dusty Martin. They'd yeah, want to get something out of him over the next It's not bad, years. is it? It's not bad. Like, uh, yeah, I reckon he can still contribute next got, year if he stays fit. Yeah, absolutely. But you need him on the park. Yeah. You need him to be fully fit. And, and I know he's had some personal issues. And fingers crossed they don't emerge in 2023. So we want to see the best of Dusty Martin. Uh, in that hopper trade, the Giants receive a future first and pick 31. It was rumoured Ivan Soldo from Richmond would be involved. He was not involved in that trade. This is the big one. The Cats getting Jack Bowes pick seven and pick seven for a future third rounder. Gold Coast doing everything they could to get him off their books, clearly taking up too much mm. money. The Cats, massive winners out of this period. Bowes, Tanner Bruin, uh, have I missed one? Did they get another person? I yeah, can't the remember. first one. The first one they got, um, again, from, it was a Jimmy. Uh, Brun, uh, sure Taylor sure Brun. We've got uh, Jack Bowes, and sure there's one other. Yeah, uh, if if you can't, if you can remember, text us through zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. And on top of that, they're still in talks with Collingwood to get Ollie Henry, the young forward. Yeah. So, and Ollie Henry saying, "I'm not coming yeah. back." Yeah, that's right. I'm not right. coming back he's, to Collingwood. He's told Collingwood he's not going there. He's threatening to walk to the draft. And you heard uh, Matt Rendell, I think, say yeah. that if that happens, well, he won't get to Geelong in the draft or the preseason draft. So. Uh, yeah, that won't be happening. But tomorrow's a massive day, isn't it, Pete? Rory Lobb, the deal not done. Josh Dunkley doesn't want to go no. back to the Bulldogs. Brisbane want to get him, of course. I and Rory mention... Lobb and Josh Dunkley got the same similar situation. They both wanted to get out last year yeah. and, of course, can get out. Um, Josh Dunkley, I mentioned. Jack Gunston got to Brisbane today. If Brisbane can pull off Jack Gunston and Josh Dunkley, that would be massive for them and their premiership hopes in 2023. The other one to keep an eye on tomorrow is Tom Mitchell. Now, will he leave Hawthorne? There's... 
rumours around him potentially getting to Collingwood. And, of course, the news today that we haven't, that I didn't mention, was Jager O'Meara. So he's gone from Gold Coast. He's at Hawthorne. There's rumours today that he could be a part of a trade, potentially to Fremantle, potentially uh, to another club, uh, whether or not Hawthorne want to keep him. Can they get some value? And, and from a more local perspective, Lloyd Meek has requested that trade to Hawthorne. So I reckon there will be some movement tomorrow. Lloyd Meek, Jager O'Meara from a local perspective, the big ones to watch. And, of course, Rory Lobb, you got feel it, it, it gets yeah, done. I, I think it gets yeah. done. Yeah. They, they need a first-round pick. That's all. That's what the Dockers are going for. Um, seven years, they reckon, Luke Jackson, speculation, yeah, some media right. outlets are reporting. Uh, it'll be a very, very big money offer. Well, you might as well give him seven years because he's just turned 21 on the 29th of September. So he'll be 27. It doesn't really matter. It's not as if he's 25, 26. He's already had his body's been busted up a bit after playing five or six years. But you never know what's going to happen at the back Honestly, end of that deal. He's like buying a car that's only done about 5,000 Ks. <laughs> Seriously, a demo model. He's got that much to uh, clock up over the next seven years. Good on you, Jimmy. Thanks for that. Uh, here's just the philosophy. Uh, Ronan O'Brien was on the Brecky show this morning with Goss and Scotty, and this is what he uh, listed regarding the West Coast Eagles list strategy. Yeah, sure. We've um, said throughout this period, Scott, that we plan to go to the draft. Uh, we did it last year. We're doing it again this year, and the plan is to go again next year. So we had three selections in the first two rounds last year. Uh, we'll have uh, two first-rounders and two second-round selections this year and currently hold three selections in the two uh, first rounds next year. So... Um, that's been the plan to regenerate via the draft and we think we've positioned ourselves really well uh, this year and next year to, to follow that through. What sort of players are the key, Rowan? What type of player are we talking? Mid, we're talking big-bodied. Uh, what are you after? All of the above, really, mate. I mean, it, it comes under the talent umbrella and really the, the uh, exposure to talent is far greater in the early rounds of the draft. Um, so we're not locked into any particular type of player, um, but we think that, that having those selections where they are helps with bringing in young talent, and that's the plan to regenerate the list. Uh, there you go, and that's uh, Rowan O'Brien, the head of the uh, list uh, development for the West Coast Eagles. Interesting regarding David King, former North Melbourne great, regarding... His position on North Melbourne and what happened with Jason Horn Francis. This was on SEN earlier today. I'm extremely frustrated by this. As I just don't know at what stage North Melbourne will decide to invest in a tall forward of note. And there's one sitting there. You hold the pick that will secure this guy for a decade. They overlooked Logan McDonald a few years ago and everyone said, OK, you've gone for Phillips. We'll wait and see. OK? And I understand that. It's a wait and see. But when you see what GWS have done to come up the board to get this guy, I think a country Victorian kid, like, he's an hour down the road. Like, this is perfect for them. Now, clearly they don't rate him as high as what everyone else does, <laughs> and that's OK. And time will tell. But it's a big gamble for a football club where not much has gone right for three or four years. Yeah, and that was uh, David King's thoughts on North Melbourne and the Horn Francis trade. There you go. Well done, the Wildcats last night. Just outstanding, weren't they? 105 to 76, they beat the Cairns Taipans. As, as Damon Martin mentioned on the run home, you know, the Cairns' offers been that, that trip up there, a bit of a hoodoo for the Wildcats over the years. He, uh, as a player, went up there many a time and were beaten when they're at the top of their game. So the Wildcats have started beautifully under John, really. 
three starts, two home games and one away game. And here they are sitting nice and pretty at the top of the NBL ladder. Well done to the Wildcats last night. That's been the show. Tomorrow I'm on early between 1.30 and 2.30 and the run home between 2.30 and 4. And then we've got live cricket right here on SENWA.